Welcome back to another Box to Box WSL mm, Women's Champions League episode. I'm Alex Ibaceta, your host, and today I'm joined with Jessie Abdullah, as usual. How are you two? I'm recovering from all the news. I need to lie down all the time because <laughs> there's just so much news. Yeah, I'm good. I, I step away from the phone and I come back about half an hour later and our WhatsApp group just blows up. So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, the WSL has been nonstop today but given that this is we're doing a Champions League final preview I brought him some Barcelona reinforcements so Justin Abdullah don't gang up on me and we have Spanish journalist Marc Andres Sanz joining us today how are you Marc? I'm fine I mean it's uh, it's a few days before the final but I'm feeling I'm feeling the, the nerves a bit uh, so <laughs> so you know but I'm still fine <laughs> at the end of the day you're fine that's what matters um, and just a quick reminder for everyone that this Sunday, 8 p.m. UK time, Chelsea versus Barcelona, just a few days away, just a sl- few sleeps away if we can't sleep. How are we all feeling about it? How are the nerves? Jesse, we'll start with you. you I, had okay? my first, I had my first dream about it last night. <laughs> uh, basically, it was an anxiety dream where I was trying to watch the match, but I couldn't find it on TV and then I bumped into Sam Kerr at a cafe whilst the match was going on so okay I think it's going totally totally fine over here okay so so rumor has it that Sam Kerr isn't playing in the final and said she's watching it with, with Jesse um, Abdullah how are you feeling how excited are you super excited I mean I'm just waiting for I just want the ball to get kicked after that we'll see what happens for now I just want the game to start I want to watch the we, we've talked so much about it this week we're going to talk about it now and I'm excited to see how these two teams match up because I don't think either team has faced someone like each other so it's just fascinating to see Mark do you just get a little bit anxious when you start thinking about what could happen in the final uh yeah but uh, well if you allow me to comment um I'm gonna go to Sweden so I I imagine when I touch ground in Gothenburg, I'll be more anxious than ever. When I see the stadium, I'll be more nervous than ever. So right now, my feelings are calm. I don't know what, uh, what it's going to be on, on Saturday and even more on Sunday. Yeah, I imagine probably walking into the stadium, you're just going to freeze just a, a little bit. Um, but we'll get right into the think of things and we'll start analyzing our starting 11s because I think that's what... Um, kind of the big factor of this Champions League final preview, especially that a lot of people, we got a few questions last time um, asking us what our formations are going to be, but obviously we needed probably a bit more time than just 20 minutes on that. Um, but Mark, I want to go to you first. The The big obvious question is that obviously Andrea Pereira is that with suspension in the final. And she's, she's been, you know, that starting centre-back next to Mapileon for pretty much the entire season so far. And it seems likely that Patrick Guijaro is going to slot into next to Mapileon in the centre defensive role. And I was playing around with the formations, thinking maybe, you know, a back three of Mapi, Leila and, and Marta with Losada and Patrick in the middle as a double pivot. But I think that might be a bit unconventional considering it's a Champions League final against Chelsea. Um, but let's, for the... Let's assume that Patrick plays next to Mapileon. Who goes in the midfield in her place? I mean, you can, you can just uh, assume and take it to the bank because Patrick will play next to Mapi. I, I think I can guarantee it that she will play there. And uh, well, when Patrick was suspended after uh, seeing a yellow card in the second leg against Manchester City, she was suspended for the first leg of uh, PSG in the semifinals. And we asked uh, Luis Cortez, uh, what's uh, going to be the, who's going to be the replacement? And she said, we have Keira Amraoui. 
we have her. So I imagine that Keira will start in the midfield. I, I think that would be no surprise there. The other options that we have thought, maybe it's Marta going back to the centre-back and Czernogorcevic playing on the wing. But uh, I think it's uh, it's pretty clear that Patri will play in the centre and uh, Keira Hamraoui will play in the defensive midfielder role. And going up against a team like Chelsea, how do you feel about Patri playing next to Mapi? I mean, it's... I mean, in my opinion, it's not about the, the opposing team. I just uh, think it's about uh, playing Barcelona and, and concentrating on Barcelona. I think Patri is a very good player. I mean, it's, there's no denying that. I don't like her playing centre-back, not because she's a bad player in that role, but I think that Barcelona loses a lot more than it wins when uh, Patri is playing uh, on a defensive uh, role or on a midfielder role. So I don't feel great with Patri playing on a defensive role, not because of Chelsea, if that's if that makes any sense, but not because of Chelsea, but because I like when uh, I like the team more when Patri plays the midfielder role, and I think that that when uh, Barcelona starts uh, starts controlling the ball and trying to create from the goalkeeper on, uh, Patri is a very key figure. In that in that scheme, so I don't feel really well, but it's not because I think Patrick can be can be beaten for by the by the Chelsea forwards, which by the way it can happen because the Chelsea forward group is uh, one of the best, if not the best, in the world. Yeah, I think all of us can agree that we definitely probably prefer Patrick in that in that midfield trio rather than her playing at centre back. Um, I think we can all agree with you on that one, but. Let's talk about Chelsea a little bit here. You know, Barcelona have, we can probably expect a 4-3-3 formation, a classic for Luis Cortez, a classic for Barcelona in general, but Emma Hayes doesn't have a set formation like Barcelona do. Jesse, what formation would you go on on this particular occasion? Yeah, I mean, I think I expect we'll see the kind of diamond midfield that Emma's gone with for most of the season with um, Kerr and Kirby up front. But it does make me worry a bit, actually, because of Hamraoui playing in midfield, that because she has that slightly more defensive mindset than perhaps Patrick would if she was playing there, that it'll actually be a lot easier for her to pick harder up and will kind of lose that advantage of seeing harder in the free role where she can basically go where she, where she wants. I do wonder if that's why we saw... In the Reading game at the weekend, maybe more of this rotation between Ingle G and Loiports than you might expect when we were playing the diamond normally with Ingle just sitting and holding. But I kind of feel like if you're going to do that, you want different. You'd want different personnel in there. I'd, I'd prefer to see someone like Aaron Cuthbert if we were going to play more like a flat four-three-three. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what we go with. But I kind of suspect it will be that four and then the diamond and then the two up top actually yeah that's fair to say and going off of that we've talked a lot in this pod about that Chelsea midfield who we prefer who we don't and the midfield trio versus Reading just wasn't doing it for a lot of the game um you know Lopez Ingwanji looked lost uh I obviously they're amazing players so it's not kind of down to their footballing aspect maybe it was just what they were being asked to do just didn't fit the game didn't fit the the formation didn't fit the three of them it didn't give Chelsea that midfield outlet. We saw G playing winger at one point, which obviously isn't her strength position. Um, Abdullah, who is your starting midfield going off of this four diamond? 
mean, I, I, I mean, generally speaking, as a, as a formation, I love the, I love the diamond formation because it just gives you so much in midfield, and especially when you're coming up against a team like Barcelona, where even though they play with the three in midfield, the three of them are so strong that sometimes even playing, uh, you know, three v three, Barcelona still have, it almost feels like they have a man advantage in midfield, just, just the way they play, the way they control the ball, the way they can, uh, they can get the ball. I was just looking at some, uh, some rankings, and this season, Patri has the third highest per ninety. Uh, through balls uh, a 2.49 in the Champions League which shows her importance as Mark said in, in her in her midfield slot there so that they, they lose a lot over there I think but when it comes to Chelsea's midfield I think it, I, I agree with Jesse I think I think Aaron Cuthbert should start just so she can help break up play and kind of stop them playing the way that they want to play with the ball so I mean I'd go Leupold's G and, and Cuthbert just to give you that extra bit of energy and we've seen it in, in, in the last in, in, the, in the games earlier when she came out again against Wolfsburg uh, she in the second leg especially she changed the game for them especially in the way she was moving around her tackles her aggressiveness and I think that's the sort of uh, style that you need at least one player needs to be like that in, in Chelsea's midfield I think we can probably say that Neve Charles and Jess Carter are most likely most definitely going to be starting fullbacks for Chelsea um, but they're going to be going against, you know, arguably their toughest opposition so far. You know, we've seen them up against Man City, struggling a bit with Lauren Happ and Chloe Kelly on either side. Um, Chloe Kelly especially got in behind that Chelsea defense quite a few times. Um, but now they're going up against Caroline Gramhansen, Mariona and Lique Martins. So, Mark, who do you, you know, obviously Lique Martins and Mariona have been the ones kind of changing with Lique Martins starting the semifinal, second leg semifinal um, against PSG. And she got the brace, which um, obviously was, was really, really big. So, Mark, what do you do? Do you start either Lique Martins or Mariona on the left wing? Or do you go unconventional and start Lique Martins and put Mariona in the midfield, for example? Well, for starters, uh, uh, we've talked about Hamraoui playing the midfielder uh, defensive role. The other two positions are for Alexia Naitana. That's that's not going to change. And uh, that's a great question uh, to who will start on, on the left wing because I feel like uh, PSG came uh, uh, went to a press to Barca's box. So, you know, the... the the defensive side, the back of PSG defense could be had. And Lique Martins with uh, her speed, her her acceleration, it was a perfect fit for that for that team. But when I see when I've, what I've seen from Chelsea, maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but from what I've seen from Chelsea against big teams, they don't go as high uh, in a press as uh, other teams like PSG. Maybe they wait a bit more on the on their own half. So I don't know if Lique can have that space that she had against PSG and maybe Mariona can uh, fight more with balls with uh, the likes of uh, Jess Carter, Nim Charles, or, or maybe even Millie Bright and, and, and Mark Derrickson. I don't know. It's, it's a great question and I, I'm not really sure how to answer it, but uh, seeing how things went in the semifinal against PSG, I'm going to go Lique Martins, which will probably be wrong because I'm never right when I do predictions. That's fair. Yeah, it is It is true that Lique Martins and Mariona bring very different aspects of play um, when it comes to either. I mean, obviously, Lique Martins thrives in space. She can take on that 1v1 as we saw against PSG. She can take, you know, unexpected shot at the top of the box and just curl it around one of the best goalkeepers in the world right now. Um, so it definitely depends. But we will talk about how Chelsea... Sh- 
could potentially approach this Barcelona side. But we'll we'll go into strength and weaknesses and tactical kind of approach to the next little section that we have here. Obviously, we talked about, you know, Barcelona have probably the best wingers in the world right now. An amazing trio in the midfield that is being interrupted with Patri leaving. But, you know, you still have Alexia Puteas and Natana Bonmati who are you know, just amazing, who can easily link up. You know, Aitana Bonmati does drop a lot. Um, so she might pick up some of what Patri is leaving behind in the midfield. But Mark, what are you most worried about on the Barcelona side? What are you kind of scared about that Barcelona might hurt themselves in, for example? I mean, it's been the same with uh, PSG and with Manchester City. I mean, I'm worried about the defensive backs. Uh, on one side, I feel Leila is a great uh, a great uh, attacking piece, but defensively, uh, she is not the, the best option. Mm, and then that's, that's a fact. And uh, obviously, when you have uh, Kirby or uh, um, Leupold or... Uh, or uh, whomever, maybe uh, um, maybe Fleming. I, I don't know who will play on or who will play on the second half. So I feel like that's uh, that's dangerous for Barcelona's team. And also, uh, Marta Torrejon is a great player. Uh, there's no denying that, but she is not uh, the most speedy one. So when facing uh, maybe G, maybe Guru Raiten, she. Uh, will stumble a bit. I don't know if I can say it like that, but maybe she'll stumble a bit. And I remember uh, on the second half in Monza against Manchester City, I think uh, Lauren Hem had uh, an amazing second half and she was playing on the left side, which is Marta Torrejon uh, right side. So so she played there. Um, I feel like the wings, the defensive wings in Barcelona are the, the weak link or not the most strongest uh, facet of the, of, uh, of the team. So... I feel that uh, that uh, Chelsea has an advantage in that in those positions. It's interesting to see we we talked about it um I think the last part of how Chelsea's wingers aren't necessarily wingers. I, obviously you have you know Pernille Harder, uh, Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr who are all kind of centrally based strikers and you have them out on the wing um which is why you probably see a lot of overlapping fullbacks in the Chelsea side in particular. But Jesse what is the most important factor for Chelsea? We'll we'll break it down a bit more after, but for you, what is the most important thing that Emma Hayes should focus on? I think it's really interesting what Mark's actually just said, because in some ways I I worry about Chelsea actually playing into Barcelona's hands by playing this kind of more central formation. You know, it's interesting when I spoke to Karen Carney actually before the Bayern Munich game, she said that she thought that was Chelsea's big weakness there as well, that, 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 the way they play at the moment, they don't really make the most out of that space out wide. And it does feel like if that space is there, maybe it's a shame that Chelsea won't necessarily look to exploit it when, especially when they do have players like Guru Wrighton who who could exploit that space, but, you know, haven't really had the opportunity to start this season. I think something I'm really interested in will be Millie Bright and how she positions herself because obviously with Jenny Hermoso, you see her moving around and and moving almost back into midfield quite a lot. And Millie Bright has a tendency, which I think she's normally told to do. You know, you saw it when she played with Ellen White against Manchester City to, to follow strikers who move like that. And so I think it's really important for Chelsea that if they are going to basically put Bright on Hermoso and let Bright move out of defense, that they make sure that that back three as what it will effectively be um, stays there. And again, I think this is why we probably will see Ingle because then it's logical for Ingle to move back into that space. But I think that could be really problematic for Chelsea because I think Barcelona have 
the ability to really exploit that space there if Bright does go with Hermosa. That fluidity and movement that Barcelona have, you know, obviously you mentioned that Jenny Hermoso drops in and then you have Alexia Putillas finding herself as that central striker. Um, you have, you know, Caroline Graham Hansen going in, Jenny Hermoso on the wing out of nowhere. But going off of that, Jesse, we're going to follow with you. You know, it's it's focusing on these Barcelona strengths. You know, of course, Emma Hayes is going to come up with the managerial line of we only focus on ourselves and we don't look at the opposition looking at particularly Barcelona's strengths and Chelsea's weaknesses in particular, you know, we're talking about the wings. Do you focus on taking someone like Caroline Graham Hansen out of the game? Or, you know, do you focus on staying in position? Because we know that Barcelona's entire game plan is to move the ball around, get players out of position and exploit that space, like you said, which they do so, so well. So what is the focus of Chelsea? Oh, I mean, that is a very, very hard question. I think knowing the way... Emma Hayes plays I feel like she's unlikely to look to take someone out the game she she's a manager who always feels like she'd prefer to be on the front foot kind of like what you're saying you know I know managers give it as a silly answer but I think she does genuinely see being on the front foot as the best form of defense and so I don't think she'll look specifically to have someone on like like leave Neve Charles on Caroline Graham Hampson. I think it will be, will be interesting to see whether Charles starts on the left or on the right. We've seen Carter and Charles swap a lot. And I think that will kind of telegraph Emma's intentions because I think if Carter starts up against Graham Hampson, that's maybe a lot more what we'll see because Carter will have that more defensive approach. But then equally, if you're talking about Lika Martins, then playing on the opposite side, then you've got Charles maybe being a bit more attacking. You know, she was or is a winger then there's that space in behind so I think the fullbacks are going to be really crucial for Chelsea and it's interesting to almost hear Chelsea and Barcelona's both of their fullbacks you know being described as kind of their their weaknesses in that situation um I think obviously having Magda Eriksson play will will be a big factor there as well and I, I think that will maybe help Chelsea just kind of marshal their back line and look to look to follow Barcelona's movement and kind of stay one step ahead as opposed to staying like really rigid in the back. I just I don't see Chelsea playing like that at all. And Mark, kind of same question to you on, on Barcelona. What do you think, you know, obviously Chelsea is in a position that they haven't really faced before, the style of play, the aggressiveness, the the mentality, I think, is a big part of what sets Chelsea apart than all the other teams. What do you think Barcelona need to do to, to kind of counteract that, you know, aggressiveness of attack? Well, I, I feel... Mm, maybe this is uh, a, a bit uh, a bit like a feeling superior to the other team, but I, I feel I really feel like if Barcelona played their style of football and played their game, they can beat anyone. So I feel like when you talk about uh, counter countering all the strengths that Chelsea may have, it's just by having the ball, moving it around, and you know having it on on dangerous places. So Chelsea is on their heels and uh, not their uh, front foot. I think that if Barcelona can have the ball and Barcelona can uh, can can try to uh, not have dangerous uh, dangerous lost balls where Chelsea maybe with uh, three passes can get in front Sandra Pagnon like that, I believe that if Barcelona doesn't change their style and uh, they play the way they know and the way they we have seen on the league, which is obviously not the same animal, Chelsea, that a team from the Spanish league. But if they can play their style that, uh, that they have shown in the league, I don't see why they would try to change anything or they have to adapt to the Chelsea's game. To Chelsea's game. 
Yeah, it's fair to say. I think both teams can probably go on that that same mentality of we've been doing so well so far. There's no way that that we're going to adjust ourselves to the other team. Um, but Abdullah, in terms of tactical approaches, what do you think Chelsea should do? You know, this is a part of their game that is, I think any team has to adjust according to the opposition. It's do you start with an aggressive press and risk Barcelona playing through that? You know, obviously Tiki Taka football, they're getting through those lines with three touches and, you know, you know you're getting the ball up to, to Mariona Jenny Hermoso to, to kind of start the attack. Or do you sit back, let Barcelona have that ball and then turn over possession in a really dangerous area, for example? What do you think? You know, it's, it's a tough one. Whenever, you know, we've seen in, um, and I'm just going to pivot it towards men fo- men's football for, for a quick second. We've seen it when we come up against Barcelona sides and other teams who are a bit more severe, maybe a Manchester City, a Pep Guardiola type team. You've seen opposition teams sometimes go for a high press, sometimes they go and sit back. And I think you've just got to measure how, and how it is on the day. I mean, the fa- again, the fact that Patri is going to be most likely playing at centre-back, I think that plays, again, a huge part in how Chelsea might even approach this. You, you might even want to go for maybe not a high, high press, but once the ball reaches maybe Akira Hamraoui or one of the midfielders, you start pressing from there. Let the four, if you're going to play a 4-4-2 diamond, you let those four players maybe press, maybe at least three of them, the diamond, uh, the top of the diamond and the two side midfielders, let them press in a mid block. Because I think that way you're not leaving yourself short at the back. You still got your defense midfielder and your back four. And especially if the two fullbacks in Carton and, and, and Charles aren't going to be pressing up as high, then I think you can afford to press maybe a little bit higher, a little bit more aggressively, especially when you have an Eric Cuthbert or someone like that in there, because then you're, you're, you're kind of keeping a balance. You're not leaving yourself with space out and behind, but you, at the same time, you're not completely overexposing yourself and just really pushing on and giving Barcelona all the space behind. So I would I would go for this balanced approach. Keep And it, again, like I said, depends on the shape of the midfield, but I'd go with a balanced approach and let, and, and kind of put pressure on the ball distributors of Barcelona just so that they don't have time and space. And I know they're very press resistant uh, and they're very, very good at playing out from these tight spaces, but out of 10 attempts, you're going to win at least one or two, right? And then you're going to have, and I think that's where Chelsea can take advantage with their three, four players to take advantage of the counterattack, you know, and those one or two chances. Mark, similar question to you. I know you mentioned there about the style of play isn't going to change. And obviously, you know, the Barcelona way is, is kind of regaining possession as quick as you can when you lose the ball to be able to defend with the ball. Um, but obviously, you know, we, we talk about aggressiveness a lot. And on this pod, we talked about um, that PSG side being very, very aggressive on the attack and, and Keira Hamraoui doing a really good job on that defensive role. And I think it's going to be really similar this time around. Um, you know, we talk about Emma Hayes getting on the front foot. And I keep saying when people ask me for a prediction, I keep unfortunately saying I do think that Chelsea will score first because of that I think they're going to be switched on from the start they're going to look for that goal and maybe they get it maybe they don't but I think Barcelona on their approach they're going to be a bit more relaxed and and take their approach you know they're not going to look for that opening goal in the first 10 minutes they're going to play their game and the goal is going to come when it comes but on the defensive angle of it do you think that maybe Barcelona especially you know Keira Hamraoui is a good addition to that the aggressiveness on the aerial duels, on the tackles, do you think that Barcelona needs to step it up just one more level to go up against Chelsea and get the ball back? Well, uh, well what you just said about uh, right now, I have to disagree with you just because, uh, um, I mean, when you watch the game against Manchester City, the first leg, because the second leg, uh, Barcelona, they, they already said that Manchester City needed to get the goal quickly just to have a chance to to qualify, but on that first on the first leg, Barcelona came much stronger. 
came out better, came out more aggressive. Then against PSG, they scored first on the first leg uh, within the first 15 minutes. Then on the second leg, they scored first again within the first 10 minutes. So I think that Barcelona starts great the games and and when you said that about aggressiveness I I don't feel like there's going to have uh, there's not that it doesn't have to be a, a more aggressive style of football uh, because um I think they they know what they're up against and and they don't wait till things till things come if they can score the first goal in the first minute and then try to go uh, try to have a second try to score a third they will they're not going to wait until the 30 minute mark so to say oh now it's time to go to the to go on uh, an offensive mode and uh, start trying to score many goals they are switched on from the very get go I understand that maybe uh, Chelsea's uh, Chelsea uh, Hayes will have their uh, her team also switched on from the very get go, but after disagreeing with you, I have to agree that Keira Hamraoui maybe on the on the more one on one duels with the aerial challenges, she's going to be great. I feel like she's always uh, come. She has always come through in uh, in big games. I mean, obviously in Barcelona, everyone remembers her goal against Bayern Munich in the semifinals of 2019, also the quarterfinals of uh, Copa de la Reina, and uh, also the quarterfinals of the Champions League, uh, the past Champions League against Atletico Madrid. But I'm curious to see how she plays because uh, she will play in the first in her first Champions League final after her team has been to five. This uh, this would this could have been her fifth Champions League final, but it will be her first because of red cards, injuries, or coaches' decisions. She hasn't played, so I don't know if she will have the the calm and she will be calm, cool, and collected. You know, to to play the way she knows and to win every single aerial challenge, which uh, I think Barca will need. Yeah. And going off of that, Jesse, I'm going to ask you a, a kind of more general question, psychological question, really. Uh, we talk, you know, Mark mentioned it there that Skeeter Hamadawi's first Champions League final, just like pretty much the entirety of the Chelsea squad, with the exception of Pernille Harder, maybe. Um, you know, Barcelona pretty much... <laughs> With the exception of, you know, Stephanie van de Graat, uh, Tony Duggan, most of this Barcelona side were in that final, that loss against Lyon. Obviously, Jenny Hermoso wasn't there. Caroline Grand Hansen wasn't there because they got signed after. But is the psychology of being, you know, I think Luis Cortez said it also. They're like, we've been to the final, we've experienced it, and now we're going to go win it. Whereas Chelsea are now experiencing that final for the first time. Do you think that psychological switch is going to play a factor in this game? I think you can kind of look at it one of two ways. I do think that if Chelsea don't win this Champions League final, they will have still achieved a goal that they've been working towards for a very, very long time. You know, those two semi-final losses in 2018 and 2019, I think I've got those dates right, or 27, 2018, I can't remember. But they, I think, really hurt the club. And I think going one step further you know, beating Wolfsburg to do that, that was obviously, that mattered a lot. But at the same time, Emma Hayes has built this team to win a Champions League. She's been doing it for years, you know, like I was speaking to Enia Luko and she was saying how the there's 
like five players in this squad who were in the squad when Chelsea won their first piece of silverware in 2015. Like that's how long, that's six years that these players have been like drilled and drilled in in winning. And I don't think that goes away just because you're playing in a in a final that you've not played in before. And on the flip side as well for Barcelona, yes, they've done it before. And yes, now they get to do it again. But when they did it before, it went horribly wrong. So there's also that psychological element. Sure, you know, this is your second chance, but is it not at the back of your head thinking, oh my God, we got battered last time we were here. Like we don't know what's going to happen here and we've seen how badly it can go wrong. You know, I don't think it's necessarily going to play that much of a factor. I think both of these teams are, are almost too tactically good for it to matter, but I think you can really like slice and dice it either way. Just to add something very quickly, uh, just off Jesse's point there, and I just it just hit me. When Barcelona played Lyon in the final a couple of years ago, Lyon scored three goals in the first half very, very quickly. Ada Hegerberg absolutely destroyed them in the first you know, 20, 25 minutes. If Chelsea come up with a fast start, that could play a psychological advantage, like you said, and that could that could maybe flip the tie going into the psychology that, that Jesse was talking about. Because if they lose a goal or even unthinkably two goals in the first 20, 30 minutes, it could would be the same thing that oh we were here two years ago and then it becomes a mental game of can we get out of this and come back or do we hold our nerve you know and, and we do we will turn and kind of go away from that so I think and like we said the first goal I think will play a huge part uh in in how this how this game goes yeah I'm gonna have to I think Marco will maybe back me up on this on the Barcelona side of things uh, but I think that Lyon final sparked something in this team like no other like even if you look there was these videos coming up on UEFA to preview the final you know even Jenny Hermoso who was at Atletico Madrid at the time she was like I was a bit jealous you know and she saw that final and she saw how much it hurt Barcelona and she's come back into this team with that same mentality of I saw what happened in the final and now we need to avenge ourselves and get the better of that. So I actually think, yes, maybe, you know, PTSD if Chelsea do get in the front foot, but at the same time, this is a completely different Barcelona side and Chelsea, just like Barcelona, have been building for this moment, you know, for a few years now, especially Luis Cortes took the team to the first final and then it's been his team that has been built for this moment right now. Um, so I think it can go both sides, but I don't think Barcelona will be taking a negative emotional aspect from that Leon final. I think every emotion that they've shown until now has been it's been anger, if anything, about that Leon final. I don't know what you think, Mark. Back me up here, please. No, no, yeah, yeah. I will back you up because, uh, well, uh, and just to say a, a few, one curiosity, it's Jenny Mosso was in the final. She went to Budapest. So she was in the crowd, in the stands to to watch the, that Budapest final. She played for Atletico Madrid, so she didn't play. But um, when we've asked Luis, uh, Marta, Alexia, j just name any player that was in that final. And they all say, since that final, we've asked the staff to train better, to train more, to have better quality anywhere, everywhere. So that was a, a key moment in Barca's history. Yes, it was a, a crushing loss, but it was a defining moment because from that point going on, they worked better. They knew what level they, have, they had to have to compete against the top teams in Europe. And uh, the plan all along was when Barcelona Pro, uh, made the, the women's team a, a pro team, that, that happened in 2015. 
they had a plan going five, six years uh, onto on the future to reach and win the Women's uh, Champions League final. 2019 came a bit early. We all saw that. But since that moment, they have worked towards a common goal, and that's to win the Champions League. And I think that win or lose on Sunday, they have shown that the progress and the work towards the goal has been achieved uh, uh, by all means. So point of this entire podcast so far is that no one can call this match because <laughs> everything is so similar. Um, I think I think that speaks loads. I think, you know, every aspect that you look, you look at the strengths and weaknesses of each side, you have pretty much the same thing on the other side. Literally, I think the only thing that one team has over the other is the fact that Barcelona have been to a final before and they've felt that emotion before. I think that's literally the only thing that one side has over the other. You know, we talk about midfields, best midfield trio in Barcelona. It would be different if Patri was playing that six. Um, but then obviously you look at you look at Chelsea and then you have Pernil Harder slot into the midfield. You have Girl right and you know, some of the top Melanie Lopez has had an amazing season. Um, so I think we can conclude that there is no advantage and anything can happen on Sunday. But we'll conclude this section and we'll conclude the section with Mark leaving us. Mark, thank you so much. Muchas gracias for giving us the insight and giving me a little backup. It's been really enjoyable, obviously. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I appreciate the invite and I hope uh, that Barcelona is the first team in history of football <laughs> to win a Champions League in the women's uh, with the women's team and in the men's team. Indeed. And then obviously Chelsea would <laughs> would be stolen of that title. Obviously the men and the women's are in the Champions League final right now, but let Barcelona have that one, at least for now. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate the invite and I had a lot of fun. Moving on to this next section of the podcast where we're actually going to make a starting 11, not a typical starting 11, because we actually want to talk through the team together, uh, make it together and kind of analyze player to player why we're putting them in that position and whatnot. But we'll, we'll start with Chelsea and then we'll move on to Barcelona and do that together. I think it could be said um, that both teams have their keeper situation handed out obviously Anke Trinberger and, and Sandra Panos are not going to lose that starting spot in between um, the goalposts but Jesse we'll start with a back four who are you putting it's mostly going to be the full back conversation obviously um, who are you putting on which side and why yeah so obviously you'll have Ericsson and Bright in the middle and then I think I would prefer to see Jess Carter on the left up against Graham Hansen and Neve Charles on the right. Kind of two reasons for that. One, I think Graham Hansen is the kind of like key defensive, uh, offensive threat, you know, and I think Carter's shown herself to be really, really good in in those kind of one-on-ones. I was really impressed with her up against Lyneth Bierenstein in the Bayern Munich game. That was a player I was really worried about running at Chelsea's defence and actually Chelsea marshaled her pretty well for for both legs actually in many ways and then I think this kind of second reason is because I think Chelsea are going to look to counter-attack I think against this Barcelona team and I think having Charles sitting behind Kirby is probably the most efficient way to do that to be able to move the ball you know really quickly to that front line um, and to have that kind of 
ability to, to put those balls over the top. I think, I mean, Carter's shown herself recently to be fantastic from dead ball situations, but I think Charles just having that slightly more attacking head on her, it makes sense to see that link up there, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. We saw we saw Frank Kirby get a bit pissed off against the Reading match because Carter wasn't really releasing the ball soon enough to send it over because um, Kirby had a ton of space on that wing. Um, and yeah, Carter was was kind of going back to Millie Bright instead of sending that early ball over. Um, but yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Abdullah, you know, we talked about it a bit. Diamond midfield, who are your four players? Oh, in that midfield... Um... I think I'm gonna go with harder at the top. At the at the top, she's obviously been playing there, and obviously that's her free role, and that's where she's performed best as the as the game changer. I think in my midfield too, I'll take Melanie Loipels, and um, actually, you know what? No, I'll go Melanie Loipels, and then I think at the base, I'll take Sophie Engel, just to, just to kind of protect that defense. We've talked about how you know when Millie Bright is gonna possibly follow Jenny Hermoso and then kind of playing that man-to-man marking style, you're going to need someone, a defensive-minded midfielder to kind of slot in as that halfback in between the centre-backs and kind of fill in the spaces. So I think Ing- Sophie Ingle has that defensive mindset presence and intelligence to do that. So I, I put her there. Now the third spot is between, so the fourth spot is between G or Aaron Carspet, as I you know we talked about earlier. I think Emma will play G. But I would want to play Aaron Cuthbert in there for the reasons that I've mentioned before, just mainly because of the energy she brings, the aggressiveness she brings, and kind of just to help stop what Barcelona want to do in that midfield, you know, playing those passing games. And I know we talked about, Mark brought it up, that Kira Hamraoui is very good aggressively. She'll win those duels. But I think Chelsea needs someone else like that in midfield to kind of counteract that as well. And I think Aaron Cuthbert, for me, can do that job as this converted, cent- you know, uh, you know, dynamic central midfielder who can just kind of break up play, almost like this midfield destroyer. So that that's probably my four in there and uh, how I how I do it. Jesse, would you go so far to say that because of that aggressiveness that we give Aaron Cuthbert so well, you know, she's a great player to get the ball back. Would you think that if G slots in there, it would give Barcelona just a tiny bit more of an advantage to be able to play around? I think. It's tricky because I can really see the positives with either player. I think in some ways, Aaron Cuthbert is great off the bench for those reasons that we've just described. When you really want to like get control of a game, maybe make it a bit scrappy. And I can see why you maybe want to save her for those moments later on. I think one thing that I would I also like about Cuthbert is how quick she is and how quickly she can move with the ball. Again, I think if you're playing this kind of more counter-attacking style, which I think we will see Chelsea play. She is a better fit than someone like G who maybe wants a bit more time and space to pick up the ball. And I, you know, as you kind of said, Alex, she's not the best necessarily at breaking down play. I don't think it will give Barcelona a massive advantage either way, um, mainly because I think Barcelona are really good regardless. And I think they move the ball so quickly. You're not looking at someone who, you know, I think Aaron Cuthbert's great. Like the classic example is when she came up against Lucy Bronze, who maybe wants to like run with the ball and have a bit more time time on it. Whereas I think when Barcelona just going to pass around, I don't think it's going to make as much of a difference. And I do think, I feel like I just can't quite figure out how G fits in this midfield still. When she pops up and does something fantastic, it's amazing, but it doesn't really feel like something you can predict or rely on. And that, does kind of raise a question mark for me. Yeah, it's fair to say. Um, it'll definitely be interesting to see how 
the midfield kind of play together because yeah, against Reading, it, it wasn't seamless. It was a bit scrappy at times. And and you saw all three, you know, you saw G, Leopold and Ingle being a, a six at one point. Um, and Sophie Ingle found herself in the box a few times, which is a bit confusing, but I'll move on to the easier part of the formation and I'll, I'll get the strikers. I'm going to go with Jesse Fleming and Bethany England. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know what? I just want Jesse Fleming to score. That's that's my only life. That's my only goal in life is for Jesse Fleming to finally score a damn goal. Alex um, spent the whole of the Reading game just texting me, going on and on about Jesse Fleming scoring. I just want. There's so many times when she got in prime positions, and then obviously, you know, someone like Frank Kirby is going to take the shot on. But I was just like, you know, just be nice. Give Jesse. I mean, she's so cute. How can you not? How will you feel if she scores her first goal though against Barcelona in the Champions League final? I'll be fine because in Barcelona we'll have another goal, so I'll still be happy. <laughs> what if it's the winning goal? <laughs> okay, then then it would be different. Um, be careful what you wish for, Alex. That's all I'm saying. Oh God. Okay, let Jesse. Let no one score. They're fine. Let everyone not <laughs> score. Then, um, yeah. I mean. <laughs> there's no there's no debating who's starting up top it's Kirby <laughs> it's cringe every time I say that yeah obviously Sam Curry and 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 Frank Kirby playing up top it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic of of whether Perniel Harder will kind of slot into the mid kind of the central area of those two or either go on the wing and push Sam Kerr more centrally which they have played with a lot but definitely you know as we mentioned it before the central areas is is a bit easier to defend um, rather than kind of taking the space on the wings and then coming in and kind of focusing on that aerial duel, for example. Um, but I think, yeah, obviously there's no denying that that Kerr and Kirby are going to start up top. It's just a matter of the dynamic that they're going to have with that midfield four and how they're going to, they're going to look to attack. Um, but moving on to the opposition, Barcelona, I'll do the back four. And obviously Sandra Pañas is definitely going to be the keeper. No doubt about that. Obviously we, we, talked it's pretty much in set in stone um we've seen Barcelona play with this back four in the past few matches just as Chelsea have been playing with their back four in the last few matches um which I think is is pretty a clear confirmation of what the back fours are going to look like um and it's definitely going to be Mapi Leon and Patrick Jaro in the central defensive roles Mapi Leon is is kind of the Magda Eriksson and she plays on the left side um has that dominance in leadership and on the pitch and then you have Leila Wahabi on the left side and Marta Torrejon on the right side. Obviously, the other, you know, Marta Torrejon has played in the in the central defensive role. Um, and then you put Anna Kronorcevic on that right side. Uh, but it's considering that Anna hasn't played that much, uh, Marta Torrejon hasn't played that much in the central defensive role. Um, I think it's it's pretty much set in stone that Patri and Mapi are going to be the starting centre-backs and I think it could be really interesting how she plays with Geta Hamrawi in the middle. Um, it's kind of like a Sophie Ingle, Millie Bright situation where you can easily have, you know, Badri step up and Geta Hamrawi slot into that that central defensive role. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. Um, but Abdullah, midfield trio for Barcelona. I think this team just writes itself. It's 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 so um, it's so like it's almost a good thing and a and a and a predictable thing you know of this Barcelona side where you you just know who's going to play and because they're so well drilled as a system and the players are so well schooled in the education system that is uh, La Masia and Barcelona uh, that I think uh, I think obviously Alexia Putellas is going to start you know in there and then Aitana Bonmati is going to be the other one in there no doubt 
they've been playing throughout the season. They've been fantastic. And I think, oh, and obviously the, the, the question mark was over that third position, defensive midfield, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Keira Hamrawi? Is it going to be uh, someone else? Are they going to, you know, they're going to change things around. But I think Keira Hamrawi is, is definitely the, the third player in there for the reasons that, you know, we've we've talked about earlier. Aggressiveness, she gives them, she, she gives them height. She gives them uh, aerial presence, you know, and I think from set pieces as well, I think that where they, where they gave up their goal against PSG, you know, Marie Antoinette Catoto's goal, I think her coming in there will, and I Chelsea are an aggressive side, but I think her coming in will definitely help just as a height advantage to be able to tear the ball. So I think more than just, you know, being that defensive presence, that, you know, ball recycler, I think she'll help, uh, she'll help defensively on set pieces and even possibly offensively just because of her height. So I'd go with those three in midfield. Yeah, Alexia Puteas is first on my list. Thank you to Sophie Lawson who outed me on Twitter saying that I was simply just an Alexia stan, which isn't too far off to be fair. But <laughs> but anyway, I've, Jesse, we're going to leave you with the tougher question. Um, you know, Barcelona's top three are almost written in stone with the exception of that left wing. Tell us your starting top three. Yeah, so obviously it will be CGH and Hermoso. Um, this is really tricky because that Lika Martins goal against PSG, I just can't get it out of my head. And I'm sure if you're Barcelona, maybe you can't get it out of your heads either because th- that's like the kind of moment from almost nothing that, that you want to see in these games. But I do think ultimately I would plump for Mariona just because I feel like what I was saying about Hermoso moving out, I just feel like she offers more moving into that space than maybe Lika Martins does. You know, coming into that more central role, taking up those spaces in the box. I feel like she's more dynamic in those areas where it feels like Martins, you're just gonna, you're maybe looking for more of that space in behind, which I don't think she'll get as kind of marks um, as much as she did against PSG. That would be kind of be my personal choice, but it's really, really tricky. It's a really tough call and either way it's scary that that's that one of those other players is going to be who you probably bring on as your first substitute yeah that's the thing you bring on Jenny and also you have Asisia Oshuala on the bench um, and obviously she was the only person who scored against Lyon in that final um, and then yeah you have either Mariona Alike Martins off the bench uh, you have Vicky Lozada coming off the bench for Keira Hamraoui um, and obviously I mean the Chelsea bench is speaks for itself also you know Gora right in has been probably one of the, our favorite players. Um, unfortunately, that ha- hasn't seen many minutes. Um, but Girl Wright is still a top top player no matter what. Um, then I'll see Bethany England is another top striker. So I think also the depth in bench of these two teams. It's going to be interesting because you you know no matter who comes on the pitch, the the level and the intensity and the and the quality of the football is not going to come down no matter what. So it's going to be a fun ninety minutes. Um, but I do have to agree that I would probably put Mariona on my left side because of what Mark mentioned also is that, you know, at this point in stage, Barcelona can't, you know, Chelsea also, you know, you, you can't change the way that you play at this point in the in the final. You know, you can't just pull up with something new in the final. I mean, you can, but it, it leaves you really exposed and vulnerable if it doesn't work out. And I definitely think that Mariona 
fits in a bit better of, of instilling that Barcelona style of play, of instilling that Chelsea players get dragged out of position. Um, her and Jenny Hermoso and Alexia Putellas, even Caroline Graham-Hansen, um, you know, at times you find Jenny Hermoso on the left wing, Caroline Graham-Hansen as a central striker and Mariona on the right side. Somehow she just drifted across the entire pitch and you don't know how. So I definitely I definitely agree that Mariona should potentially start to instill that style of play. And then obviously Lika Martins off the bench, as you mentioned, Jesse, she can just take something out of nothing and, and curl the ball into the back post with her first touch. And maybe much. that'll suit her more when the game's a bit more stretched as well. Yeah. I think that's that if you were going to look at a, the way round, who you'd prefer to come on a bit like we're talking about with Cuthbert and G, I do think maybe Martins at that point, you know, if you're looking at Chelsea starting to push forward a bit more, if they, you know, need to get back into the game, that's like a great option to then I think have come on. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that concludes our starting 11s. We'll see how right we are, how wrong we are. Um, I do want to make an honorable mention to the kits that each team will be playing with. A very sad day for the aesthetic of football. Chelsea will be playing with their new home kit, which is a very, it's supposed to be a kaleidoscope inspired pattern which means there's patterns everywhere that don't clash together and it's just really hard on the eyes the the color i like the yellow and the blue i just don't like the the, the pattern and then barcelona will be playing with that miami vice yellow flamingo kit um with a neon blue i quite you know it has like good it. on me i like Justice it it's for just the pink kit i like it it's just wow I mean, Mia Eriksson, shout out to Mia Eriksson. She's going there as a photographer for the Champions League final. And she was like, I can't wait to see the colors on my camera after all these photographs. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Jesse, what do you think of the new kit? I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. I love the video. I know they've copied Arsenal, but it was still fun. But it was I still hate nice. the kit. I hate the kit. Oh, it was. Uh, Abdullah, what do you think? Like Abdullah said on Twitter he was going to get it. <laughs> yeah, you did. You can't back up now. I am not. I am not. I am not <laughs> stepping away from my from my thing. I will. It's growing on me. I think I didn't like it at first when it first came out. The rumors were that I didn't like it. Today, after watching the video, it's growing on me. I'm probably going to get it just because I want to. I, I want to get. I want to get the new kit. But you know, we'll. we'll uh, it's it's growing on me. I mean, it's, I'll just say that it's just it's growing I mean, on me now. Whether it changes, whether I change my mind when I actually go and do buy it is a different story. <laughs> but for now, I'm saying, yeah, I'm probably going to get it. And it's growing on me. From far away, it just looks blue. So it's fine. But when you actually come up close to it and you see the pattern, you just kind of cringe and your eyes kind of explode. I didn't think any kit could get worse than the weird Crystal Palace faded third kit we had this season, but like Nike really came through. They, <laughs> I mean, that. all these kits have been interesting, especially, you know, that Man City um, one that just looked like a carpet, like an old carpet. Paisley. Yeah, that was horrible. Um, what I don't get is why they mess with the home kits. Keep the home kits traditional, whatever you want with the second and third kit. I don't care. Just keep the home mm. kits traditional colors. Yeah, well, but yeah, um, the Champions League final is going to bring for um, some pleasant sightseeing in the new kits. Um, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, just a reminder, Sunday, May 16th, 8 p.m. UK time. Do not miss it because it will be the game of the season. Um, but we hope you enjoyed this episode of Box Box WSL slash Women's Champions League. I think we need to rebrand ourselves there. 
but make sure you're following our official Twitter account at box to box WSL to keep up to date with all information and updates on the podcast. Maybe see a celebratory video of either me or Jesse with a bottle of champagne. I don't know. I'm not promising anything. I'm just putting that out there that it might happen. But we will likely have a final analysis episode to wrap up the entire Champions League because I am sure that there's going to be lots to talk about and we'll definitely see you then. Uh, But thank you everyone and thank you everyone for listening. Cheers! We'll see you later. Thank you.